Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, and I'm the lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And I am just, again, thankful that uh, we get an opportunity to to share God's Word um, in this podcast on a weekly basis. And so, uh, if you have not done so already, please subscribe to our podcast. That way you get reminders of uh, every week uh, when we uh, host or post our our podcast, and uh, that way you know we're ready to go each week. Um, it typically comes out, just so you guys know, uh, every Monday at uh, 5 o'clock, and that way uh, it's ready to grow. And that is central time, so just to... So uh, you can put that information down. Hey, guys, I want to thank you uh, for the last couple of weeks of uh, still listening in and and listening to our so-called special guest. Um, We posted a couple of uh, comedians in here and uh, had them uh, some snippets from their shows. And uh, we enjoyed Tim Hawkins a couple weeks ago. And then last week was Chonda Pierce. And and I hope you guys enjoyed uh, their comic relief a little bit. I know I did. Uh, They're a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, and great Christian folks, and so it's uh, good to hear uh, people laugh in a in a clean manner. So I hope you enjoyed that. Today, I want to I want to start off a question for our, our podcast today. Is uh, here's my question: Is do you ever feel overwhelmed? Do you ever feel overwhelmed? And I believe we all do at some point in our lives, right? Depending on situations, all those circumstances, everything like that. Well, I was in the restaurant the other day, and, and there was a brand new dad with his three week old uh, baby boy. And I looked at him and I said, hey, that's a good looking baby you have there. And isn't being a dad great? And with his mouth, he said this. He said, yeah, it's awesome. But his eyes said something completely different, right? He had like this fear in his eyes. He had like, looked like he had some sleep deprivation going on. He also kind of had this look of, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. You don't look in his, his eyes and and I call those the new dad eyes. And I've had them at one point and I've seen them in other people. It's that feeling of being overwhelmed. And I don't know if I can handle this type of situation. Okay. So maybe for you, it's time, right? Where there's not enough time to get everything done. You, you rush out of the house, uh, getting some kind of food in the belly of your kids and you get them to school and you go to work on time and you do two people's job on one, one person's pay. And after work, you rush home, you get your three kids, you put them in the car, you you take the first to karate, you have 15 minutes to make a 20-minute drive to the other side of town to get your second kid to the baseball practice. Somehow you make it on time, don't know how you got there in that amount of time, won't ask questions, okay? Uh, then you maybe go to Chick-fil-A, you put your third kid in the play place so you can just have it, have this moment of peace, Right. And so then you pick up dinner, you retrace your steps, you're feeling really good about yourself when you get home, only to realize that you left kid number three in the play place at Chick-fil-A, right? We, we've either done that or we've been close to doing that. We feel overwhelmed, don't we? There's just too much sometimes. Maybe it's your finances. It's that feeling in your stomach as you walk to the mailbox because there's already been more month than there's been money. And as that feeling of dread of what's waiting on me when I open this up, you know, like what bill is there that I don't have money for, we feel overwhelmed. 
Uh, maybe it's your marriage. You're thinking, you know what, uh, a loving, caring relationship sounds awesome and great, but to be honest, I would just settle for civility. Like, could we just not argue for one day? It's too much. You know, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Maybe it's comparison. As you see your best friend posting a picture on social media of from the scratch, from scratch, gluten-free, non-dairy, no-dye meal that, that they just made. And it looked like it came straight out of Pinterest, right? And you're eating Frosted Flakes for the third time that week, right? Do you ever feel overwhelmed? And some of you are saying, well, I didn't before until I started listening to this podcast today, you know? Well, here we are, Venture Podcast, make you feel better, right? No, just joking. But we all feel overwhelmed at one point or another. So here's what I want to do today. I want to I take a look at God's Word because... I think it has something to say to us when we feel overwhelmed, and it's talking about 10 men who understood what it was like to feel overwhelmed. And so we're going to pick it up in Luke 17, beginning in verse 11, and here's what it says. It says, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, So if anybody understood what it was like to feel overwhelmed, it was these 10 men because they were being overwhelmed every single day in every single part of their life. They were being overwhelmed physically, okay? They had leprosy. It's an infection that doesn't show up in symptoms for five to 10 years after you were infected. And once it does, your nervous system is attacked and you begin to lose feeling in your extremities, okay? And then those extremities become deformed as they swell. You know, your nose, your eyeballs, eyebrows, your ears, your feet, your fingers. And then those extremities begin to die and decompose while they're still on your body, rotting, smelling, and then they fall off, only to be followed by death because there was no cure for these men. So they're being overwhelmed every single day by this disease physically. They're also being overwhelmed every single day relationally because there was no cure. All they could do in Jesus' day and time was remove them and put them outside of town. And so they can no longer touch the face of their wife anymore or they can no longer hug their children. They were separated from everybody they cared about. Relationally, they were being overwhelmed. They were also being overwhelmed financially. They couldn't work and so they had to beg for money. They were also being overwhelmed spiritually because they couldn't go to church to worship God alongside their friends and their family anymore because they were unclean. So if anybody understood what it was like to feel overwhelmed, it was these 10 men. Yet, catch this, with everything going wrong in their life, they had one thing going right. They were in the best place that they could possibly be. They were in the best place they could possibly be because they were in the presence of Jesus. So what do we do when we're feeling overwhelmed? Well, it's all about choices, okay? And the first choice that we make is is this. We choose to be in the best place, okay? We choose to be in the best place because it is impossible to live right when we're in the wrong place. Let me say it again. It is impossible to live right when we're in the wrong place. So we're going to choose the best place. I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a pastor secret here. I, I, I talk to a lot of people who are feeling overwhelmed. Uh, maybe it's their health or their job or their kids, you know, and it doesn't really matter the circumstance, but the pastoral advice that I, that I try to speak into their life is I always start with the exact same thing, and here's what it is. It is this. It is to participate in church regularly, okay? Participate in church regularly. Why am I saying this? Because we need to choose the best place, so we participate. It, it's kind of a weird word, but it's a purposeful word. 
Because when we go to church, it's not a passive activity, okay? It's an active pursuit. Because we come to church to actively worship God. We don't just come to sit around in, in a chair or pew or wherever, right? We come to church, and he begins to change who we are in our core. We come to church to serve others. We, we come to church to be in transformational relationships with others. And it begins to change who we are at our core. So what do we do when we feel overwhelmed? We choose the best place, and we participate in church regularly. A couple of years ago, my, my family went camping for a weekend, and, and during this weekend, we also went canoeing down the Nishtabatna River. Uh, it's in Iowa. It's a small, small river, okay? It's um, not very wide. I would say maybe, you know, maybe 30 yards wide, nothing too, too fancy. And most of the water, water is only like six inches, maybe not quite that low, but six inches to only three foot high, you know? It's just kind of one of those smaller rivers. So we decided to go down there and go some do some canoeing. And so we had two canoes. One had my, my daughter, my son-in-law, and my son in it with two dogs, okay? And my wife and I are in the other with my dog, Cooper. He's a border collie, and at this time he was just a pup, um, not even a year old. And uh, we, so we began to float down this river. Now, I want to let you uh, know of a couple of things, share a couple of things with you. I did not want the dogs to go with us. Just stating that, okay? Uh, I told my wife and my kids I really did not want the dogs to go because they'd never been in the water or a boat before, okay? And I was worried they'd jump in the water and not stay in the boat. The other thing is that we had life jackets, but I shared with them that I don't think we need to wear them because in the state of Nebraska, uh, going on a boat, you just got to have the the life jackets in the boat. You don't have to wear them all the time. And so we'll just put them in the boat. Because the water is not very deep, right? I shared that with you, six inches to three foot possibly, okay? So I just want to share those things because they will come up later in this story. So we are in the boats, cruising down the river. The kid's boat was in front of ours. About 20 minutes or so, my dog Cooper, remember he's a pup, begins to get a little anxious. And he starts to move around. And as he moves around, he begins to make our canoe wobble back and forth really bad. And so, so I tell him, sit. And he does for about five minutes. <laughs> then all of a sudden, he decides just to go for it. And so he launches himself off the side of the canoe. And in doing so, pushes the side of the canoe under the water. And Jen and I go crashing into the water. My wife, okay? Mind you, the water was only about two feet deep. It wasn't very deep at this point. So we get everything back in the boat. We move it on the side. We dump the water out, including my, and we get it all loaded up, including my dog. And we carry on down the river. Now, you think we might have learned something there, but we didn't. So about another 10 minutes later, Cooper, my dog, does it again. We are in the water. We scramble to put everything back in the boat. We get going again. Did we learn anything? Not really. <laughs> so we're cruising along again, and of course, Cooper goes and jumps off the boat for the third time. This time, though, we are in a little bit different area of the river. There is a section along the bank that had a couple of trees falling over laying in the water because the storm just come through a week or so ago. And the water in some of these areas was actually over my head, okay? So as we're trying to get back to our canoe, we get separated from my dog and my kids' boat. And my dog swam to shore and is upstream, and, and we are right in front of this big tree. And the kids' boat canoe is downriver about 50 yards or so, maybe a little further. I don't remember quite how far it was. And so my wife and I kind of get everything to the side, and, and we're kind of trying to get the boat out of the water, but it was just too deep, and so we couldn't get everything dumped out and... So I hollered to my son to come help us get the boat out of the deeper water, and so he does. 
and and I have to go and swim out and get my dog Cooper to jump back into the water and swim to me and such and and so we get everything into the boat and I and 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 at that point do you think we learn anything at this point still no <laughs> so I tell Corey my son to get in and help steer us past this tree and so we can get down to their canoe and so we start to do so Unfortunately, the current was stronger than we thought, and it began to push us under this tree branch that's laying in the in the water. And the, and this is once again where Cooper, my dog, decides to freak out and he jumps out of the canoe. And in doing so, causes the boat to flip over and shoves us all under the water. And as I was coming kind of back out of the water, okay, I see the boat coming down again or whatever it was doing and smack my wife on top of her head and she goes under the water. And it felt like minutes went by where Jen was under the water. And I'm hollering, Jen, Jen. And all of a sudden, she pops up. And I, and I swim to her because the water's overhead. I know it is. And, and so I kind of grab her and we kind of get to shore or at least to a point where we can both stand and, and then we get to shore and everything. And every single one of you who are listening to this, you're probably like, well, why didn't you guys just wear your life jackets? That probably, you know, at least Jen wouldn't have, when she got smacked, wouldn't have been underwater for so long. She'd have still been floating and everything. It's because we never learned our lesson. It would have been wise for us to put on our life jacket before we fell out of the boat, right? It would have been. And it would have been wise for you to put your life jacket on before you fell out of the boat. And yet as a pastor, I see it so often. We wait until we follow the boat to choose to be in the best place, right? We wait until we follow the boat to choose to be in church. And yet, here's the good news for you today, okay? If, if you've never been in a church and, and one day you, you finally decide to walk into a church and, and attend, or if you've been attending church for 25 years, regularly attending, participating in church, you know, those types of things, you're in the best place possible that you could be. Okay, And so if you've done that or are doing that, you can check the box, right, and say, I'm doing it. Hebrews 10, 25 says this to us, the church. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. See, church attendance is not a modern issue. It's been going on for, for thousands of years. He, he says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Come to church where you can be encouraged, where God can begin to transform who you are. So what are we going to do when we feel overwhelmed? We're going to choose the best place. Those, those men with everything going wrong in their life had one thing going right. They were in the best place they could possibly be. Okay. So here's what happened next. Look at verse 14. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. It's at this point that I'm reminded that I'm not Jesus. And some of you are like, you sure are not, Dan. I, we, we, we've you know, come to try to know who Jesus is and you're definitely not Jesus. I get that. Okay. But here's the deal. If I'm going to perform this miracle, okay, I'm going to do it in a different way than Jesus. Okay. Here's how it would have looked for me. I would have looked at these 10 men crying out for help at the edge of town. And I would have looked to the disciples and said, Hey, I want you to go into the village and I want you to go get everybody. I want you to bring them out here and then we're going to circle up and we're going to get the 10 men and we're going to put them in the circle and I'm going to lay my hands upon them and I'm going to heal them. And it's going to be like, boom, it's going to be this great, spectacular, uh, it's going to be extraordinary, extraordinary, it's going to be immediate and yet that's not what Jesus does, okay? Instead, he says, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed literally. What did they do? They, they walked, 
They started putting one foot in front of the other. And as they did the most ordinary thing they could possibly do, God brought healing into their lives. You see, when I pray for healing in my own life, what I often pray for is that extraordinary or that this, this miraculous thing, right? And yet what I've experienced as a follower of Christ is, and what I've seen as a pastor is this, is that, that God sometimes brings healing into our life through the extraordinary, and it is miraculous. And yet sometimes God will choose to bring healing in our life through the ordinary, and it's just as miraculous. Here's what it may look like for you. You may be feeling overwhelmed in your marriage, and you say, God, I'm feeling overwhelmed in my marriage, and I don't know if I can do it any longer, and yet you make a choice that as you go, you're going to take one step after another. I'm going to get up today, and I'm going to make the choice that I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to put the needs of my wife before me, and I'm going to serve her like Christ served the church, and then I'm going to get up the next day, and regardless of how she responds, I'm going to get up the next day, and I'm going to do it again over and over again. And here's what's going to happen. One day you're going to look back and you're going to see that as you put one foot in front of the other, doing the ordinary, God has brought healing into your life. And it's just as miraculous as if it was extraordinary. As they went, they were healed. And yet here's what's crazy about the story, that the miracle is not the high point of the story, right? The miracle that Jesus performed as they went, they were cleansed of the leprosy. It was not the climax of the story. The climax of the story is the response to the miracle. Here's what it says. Luke 17, 15 through 16. Look what it says. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground of Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. What does that mean? He means he was half Jewish, half non-Jewish. He was the least likely of the 10 to recognize the work of God in his life. And yet he was the one who returned to praise God and to give thanks. And when I read this story, I have questions, and you probably have questions, and Jesus had questions. Because in verse 17, here's what he says. Look at what he says. Jesus asked a question, Did, didn't, I heal, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this, this, this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Your faith literally has saved you. He had already experienced physical healing, and now he experienced his, this whole life spiritual healing. And yet, we have questions, the same questions as Jesus did. What happened to the other nine? Why did one man return and nine not when they experienced the exact same thing? Because I read the story over and over again, and what I saw was they all had the identical experience. They all had the leprosy. They were all outside of town. They all cried for Jesus for mercy. They were all sent to the priest. They were all healed as they went. They all had the exact same experience, but only one, only one out of 10 returned to Jesus. Why? Because apparently two people can look at the same thing and see something completely different, right? Two people can look at the same thing and see something completely different. It's a matter of perspective. Because when the nine looked, here's what they saw. They saw that our cries for mercy have been heard. And yet, when the one looked, what he saw was that Jesus heard my cries for mercy. What the nine saw was that they saw that we've been healed. What the one saw was that Jesus has healed me. The nine saw that Jesus had given them exactly what they asked for, but the one saw that Jesus had given him more than he could ever even deserve. Because what the nine saw was we've been restored to our old life, but the, the one saw that Jesus had given me a new life, which is so much better than my old life. 
How can two people look at the same thing and see something completely different? It's a matter of perspective, isn't it? Because where you sit determines what you see. Okay, let me say it again. Where you sit determines what you see. And when you sit at the foot of the cross, you can't help but see Jesus at work in your world. Where you sit determines what you see. What should we do when we feel overwhelmed? We should choose the best perspective, right? Which is the perspective that Jesus Christ is at the center of our world. Here's what the perspective looks like. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We choose the best perspective, which is the perspective of God. We choose the best perspective, right? Because having the best perspective may not change your circumstances, but it'll change what you see in your circumstances. What will we do when we feel when we're feeling overwhelmed? We choose the best place and we choose the best perspective. And third thing is we're going to choose the best priorities. Because where you sit may determine what you see, but what you will see will determine who you will be. Let me say that one again. What you see will determine who you will be. Your perspective will determine the priorities that you'll have and live out in your life. As a follower of Christ, I understand pretty clearly what my priorities are called to be. See, that I'm supposed to be a, a person that is going to love and serve God first and foremost in my life. And after that, I'm going to love my family as Christ loved the church. And after that, I'm going to love and serve the people he's put around me. And last, I'm going to love myself because he loves me. It's pretty clear what our priorities are to be, that God is first and foremost. And yet, far too often as a follower of Christ, we have these kinds of thoughts. And far too often as a pastor, I hear these kinds of thoughts. And the thoughts are that we say things like, well, if I had more time, then I would start my day in God's word. Then I would start my day praying. Or if, I had, if my schedule wasn't so crazy, then I would be in, be in church every single week, right? Well, but little Johnny loves baseball, and I mean his eyes just light up when he, he just loves baseball so much. Maybe when baseball season's over, then we'll be in church. Or if I had more money, then maybe I would put God first in my financial life. Growing up, my, my mom would do something only moms could do every now and then. She would sit me down at the kitchen table or wherever it might be, and, and she would look across at me, and she would say this phrase. She would say, Danny, I love you, but... You know, and some of you are thinking right now, you had somebody in your life who said something similar, right? They would say, you know, son, uh, daughter, I love you, but. And whenever I heard that phrase, I knew what was about to happen. My mom was about to drop a truth bomb in my life. Maybe not what I wanted to hear, but what I needed to hear, right? And when we start thinking those things, well, life's just not, is, life's not so when life's not so crazy, then, then, I'll, then I'll do it, right? Or, or when I have more, you know, when I, when I get more, then, I, then I'll be able to do that. You know, we need a little bit of a truth bomb. So venture podcasters, as, as, as your pastor through, the, the, through this podcast, I love you, but <laughs> when we say those things, what we have is not a time problem. What we have is not a financial problem. What we have is not an opportunity problem. Are you ready for the truth bomb? What we have is a priority problem. What we have is a priority problem. 
Joshua 24, one of my favorite passages of scripture, he stands before the people of Israel, the chosen people of God, and he says, choose this day who you're going to serve. Because he understood something, that every single day when we wake up, we make a choice. And what is the first and foremost priority in my life? That's the choice we make that day. It's what, what or who am I going to serve? And so he says, choose this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord our God. What does it look like when our God is, is first and foremost priority in our life? Here's what it may look like for some of you and for me, okay? It's, it's that I'm going to start my week in church. I don't come to church in order to win God's love. I come to church because he already won my love. I'm going to start my week in church. I'm going to start my day in God's word because I know that the more time I spend with Christ, the more I become like Christ. And so I'm going to start my day in God's word. I'm going to start my prayers with thanksgiving. I'm going to start my prayers with thanking God because expressed gratitude may be the purest form of my own spiritual condition. And so I'm going to start my prayers with thankfulness. I'm going to start my pay period with a tithe because I learned that 90% with God is so much better than 100% without. I started this, this, this podcast today with a question, and the question was this. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? Do you ever feel like there's, there's, there's more coming at you than you can handle? And we all have that feeling because of our circumstances at, at some point, right? And yet my prayer for you is this that this message does not keep you from feeling overwhelmed, but that you might feel even more overwhelmed. And you're like, Dan, really? You want me to feel more overwhelmed? Yeah, because I don't want you to feel overwhelmed like the nine who saw their circumstances around them, but I want you to feel overwhelmed like the one who saw God at work in his life and returned to thank God. Not overwhelmed by the things of this world, but overwhelmed by the goodness of God at work in your life. And not overwhelmed that God has given us what we ask for, but overwhelmed realizing that God has given every single one of us more than we could ever deserve. My prayer for you is this, that you might feel overwhelmed. Because the reality is every single one of us is like those lepers. At some point, we are separated from God. Not by disease we carry, but by the sin that we've committed. And we are separated from God. And we cried out to Jesus, have mercy on us. And at some point, Jesus looked to you. He heard your cries, and he's brought healing, mercy, and forgiveness far more than we could ever deserve. And here's what I know, that when we choose to start in the best place, when we choose the best perspective and put Jesus at the center of our world, and when we choose the best priorities and make God first where he deserves to be, that you will begin to wake up every single day feeling overwhelmed. Not that there's more than you think you could ever handle, but you're being overwhelmed by his goodness. You're being overwhelmed by his grace. You're being overwhelmed by his power. You're being overwhelmed by his mercy. And you're being overwhelmed by his unconditional love. And that, as a follower of Christ, is the only way I want to live. Let's be overwhelmed by God. Amen. That concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm excited to uh, let you know that we are starting a new series next week called Relationship Goals. And so if you're single, married, dating, or somewhere in between, we'll hope you'll discover four practical steps to build the relationship you want. So join us next week. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.